this was trying to inform the Sahaba when they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that Mata Rasulullah, where's the help of Allah? Why are, why are we going through all of these sacrifices and different tortures? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these ayah to show that this is his sunnah, this is his way. This place, this dunya is a darul amal, place of mujahada, place of sacrifice. And the akhirah is the darul jaza, place of the compensation and the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A very beautiful statement I have mentioned before is that irtahalat dunya mudbira wartahalat al-akhiratu muqbila this dunya is very rapidly coming to an end going away and the akhirah is very quickly coming nearer and nearer this dunya is fani akhirah is baqiya akhirah is coming closer dunya is going away walikulli minhuma banun and there are some people who are devoted to this fani temporary abode and there are those who are devoted to the permanent abode so be among those who are devoted to and are investing in that which is permanent. Do not become among those who are dedicated to that which is temporary. For today is a time for amal and there is no hisab reckoning. And tomorrow is time for hisab and no time for amal. So this is such a beautiful summary. So right now, we, if you're looking for the rewards, we're in the wrong place. This is the time for amal. And the hisab, the accounting, the, going, uh, the accountability, the, and uh, the jaza, whether it's jaza, khair or shar, the compensation, the good, the reward, or the punishment. That is not, this is not the place for that. The place for that is the akhirah. So, alyom, amal, wala hisab. Time for amal and there's no time for hisab. And غَدًا, tomorrow is hisab, wala amal, no time to make amal. In many places in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says that, they will say, رَبَّنَا أَبْصَرُنَا Or Lord, we have seen with our eyes, وَجِيَا يَوْمَيْذِمْ بِجَهَنَّمْ Jahannam is brought near. Jannat is there. رَبَّنَا أَبْصَرُنَا We have seen with our eyes. ثُمَّ لَتَرَوَنَّهَا عَيْنَ الْيَقِينَ They will see with the eye of certainty. Allah Ta'ala says in well-known surah, short surah, we know, الْحَاكُمُ التَّكَاثُرُ your desire for more and more is brought destruction upon you. You want more and more and more. Takathur. Hatta zurtumul maqabir. Until the desire for more takes you to your graves. Rasulullah said, Yaqul ibn Adam, son of Adam says, Mali, 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 Mali. My wealth, my wealth, my wealth. Wa malahu, the only thing that's truly his. Ma akala fa'afna, which you consume and eat it, and you consume it. It turns into energy for your body, it powers your cells. You come, you know, the Googles. That's what he's saying. Akala fa'afna, you consume it, you eat it. Labisa fa'abla, you wear it and you tear it. Labisa, you wear it, abla, you tear it. You, so you wore it. And number three is, maqaddama, what you send forward for the akhirah. That's the only thing that's yours. Everything else belongs to other people. Very soon you will see, you will know. You will see with your eyes the jaheen, the fire. With the eye of certainty. And that day you'll be asked about the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when they will see, they will say, We have seen, we have heard. 
فرجعنا so send us back in the world نعمل صالحا we will promise to do righteous deeds إنا موقنون we have yaqeen that yaqeen that you know we need to develop now the disbelievers will have a higher level of yaqeen on the day of judgment but there were some sahaba and awliya of course the anbiya who already have that level of yaqeen in this dunya they already have that level of yaqeen because these mushrikeen and these disbelievers and kuffar they have that yaqeen because they're seeing jahannam with their eyes and they're saying this is a real thing whereas the mu'minun and the sahaba whose iman Allah has made a standard believe the way the sahaba believe they had more yaqeen in what Rasulullah is telling them, informing them than what they can see with their own eyes because if you see something with your own eye there could be an illusion it could be an optical illusion as Allah Ta'ala speaks about in the Quran and we used to study in the optics in the physics class about the one who's traveling in the desert one is a mi'raj and one is a mirage right? Right. It's not the mi'raj, the mirage uh, so with the heat and the, sun, and the light of the sun what happens? the thirsty one as he's traveling in the desert he sees he doesn't see some water drops of water what does he see? shimmering lake whole lake of water he sees a pond of water when he comes to the water what happens? he sees there's no water there so Allah Ta'ala gives an example in Surah An-Nur about the disbelievers those who are the disbelievers their actions they're looking forward for the reward kasarab is like the mirage the one that the blind person thinks is water when he comes there there's nothing there you'll find oh Allah is here and Allah will take the punishment so they say we have heard we have seen so send us back into this world but that will not be of any avail that yaqeen is too late what is the iman that counts? iman bil ghayb alif lamim thalik al-kitab ala raiba fihu dalil muttaqeen alladheena yu'minuna bil ghayb those who believe in the unseen why do you believe in the unseen? because we trust the reporter the mukhbir al-sadiq the truthful narrator who is the truthful narrator who saw it and came and told us? al-sadiq al-ameen the most trustworthy person, the most truthful person. Allah Ta'ala selected him to be our Prophet and Allah Ta'ala took him on Mi'raj, Mi'raj. And he saw and he came back and he narrated to us. And we believe in it without seeing it based on the veracity and the truth of the Messenger. That's the basic definition of what Iman is at the end of the day. What is the definition of Iman? At-tasdiqu bi-jami'i ma ja'a bihin Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa to believe in the truth of the message conveyed to us by Rasulullah So that includes what? Everything. Who told us all of the above? Rasulullah And we believe in him as the narrator who spoke to us on behalf of Allah. And we believe in what he said, not because he was Muhammad bin Abdullah, or not because he was a very intelligent person, not only because he was an intelligent person, not only because he was an honest person, upright person, but because he is speaking on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Min haythu annahu rasulullah. So iman bil ghayb is what counts. And that will not have, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot give the hisab 
thawab and iqab in this world. Otherwise, that will be putting the cart before the horse, right? First the horse, then the cart. <laughs> yes, we forgot. Uh, uh, or the horsepower engine. The engine can be in the back, though. Anyway, so the <laughs> uh, so Subhanallah, we cannot reverse it. And the beetle was uh, was the back, right? The Volkswagen. But the horse is in front of the cart. Now, the, so this is the place of amal. Akhirat is a place of hisab. That's why even if the adab is going to come in this world, it will wipe out everyone. Specifically mentioned by Allah. وَاتَّقُوا فِتْنَةً Beware of an adab in this world. لَا تُصِيبَنَّ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ خَاصَ When that natural calamity comes, it will afflict everyone. The righteous and the pious as well as the disbelievers. Because if it is selective, surgical, laser-guided strike, na'udhu billah. There's so much collateral damage and they call it laser-guided, right? But actually the intended target himself many times is what? Absolutely innocent. Na'udhu billah. In any case, if there was selected adab, then it would become, the hisab would be right here in the world. Everyone say, oh, those who prayed the full 20 rakat, they're saved. Allah. <laughs> <laughs> so, then there would be no test. This would become what? Darul Jaza. This is not Darul Jaza. This is what? Darul Amal. So the thawab and the iqab is hidden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hidden it. And inshallah, you'll see Yawm al-Qiyamah. Inshallah. So this is the test. The test in this world. The closer a person is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the greater the test is. That is just the way of Allah. That is called the Sunnatullah. If there's someone who could be an exception to the rule, exempted, then there is one individual who is the Habibul Rabbil Alameen, the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's the Afdalul Khalqi Ajma'een, the best of the entire creation. His maqam is higher than Jibreel, Israfil, Israel, Mikail, Anbiya, Khalilullah, and, and Kalimullah, and Ruhullah, and Zabihullah, and Khalifatullah, and all of the Anbiya of Allah, the Mursaleen of Allah. His maqam is higher than the arsh and the kursi and the qalam and loh and anything. Who's maqam? Qam Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi But he had to also undergo sacrifices. He had to undergo tests because this is a sunnatullah. Right? We talk about the concepts many times. Sunnatullah and qudratullah. Qudratullah is ala kulli shayin qadir. He can do whatever he wants. If he puts all the believers into jahannam, la yustalu amma ifal. No one can ask him. If he puts all the disbelievers into Jannah, no one can ask him. But will he do that? Absolutely not. Because he has the qudra to do it, no one can question him. But he has adopted a path. Sunnatullah There's a way that I will deal with my creation. And he said that, You will find that in my sunnah, my way I have adopted, I will never divert from that. I will never change that. This is called iltizam, not ilzam. Meaning, he has made it binding upon himself, not that anyone else has made it binding upon him. Right? For example, if you're an employee versus you own a business. Do you own the business or the business owns you? Huh? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he's speaking about the th- things that we love, and he mentions them in Surah At-Tawbah in a, in a beautiful passage, but it's, it's beautiful in the beginning, but the end is actually quite frightening. Frankly, it's very frightening. قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ Say if your fathers and grandfathers وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ Your children and grandchildren قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ Your brothers 
وعشيرتكم your tribe وأموالن اقترفتموها in the money that you're amassing وتجارة تخشون كسادها and that business that you are perpetually afraid that it's going to go down you're always afraid so all the people in the dunya of the people no matter how successful they are so at the level you know now Elon Musk Jeff Bezos what happened they got toppled the new list came out they're not the richest person in the world anymore right or if you're not following it it's better for you astaghfirullah <laughs> so <laughs> they're always afraid what's going to happen to my tesla what's going to happen to my amazon what's going to happen to my apple what's going to happen everyone is drinking coke it's still marketing right so the marketing is continuing the r&d is continuing checking the was it intel corporation ceo what did he said only the paranoid survive <laughs> only the paranoid will survive you have like they're literally allah ta'ala speaks about that in the quran tijaratun takhshawna kasadaha that business that you're always afraid is going to go down o masakin atardona in your dwellings your homes that you love of all of the above habba ilaykum min allah wa rasulihi wa jihadin fi sabili if they are more beloved to you than allah and his rasul in striving in his path it's a very dire warning at the end fatarabbasu then wait hatta ya'ti allah bi amri until the decision of allah comes So basically, if one is an employee, the employee has a set hours, and there's a person who what? Owns a business. And what does he do? He sets the hours of his business. If he has business, if he has office hours or business hours on Saturday, it's not because he's com- compelled to go on Saturday, it's because he said it. He wants more money. If he, has to, he can keep it open on Sunday. So this is called iltizam. He made it binding upon himself. He goes to work on Sunday because he's a workaholic. May Allah relieve him of that addiction. Right? So he's working on Sunday as well. So this is called iltizam, making a binding on yourself. And if you are a poor, uh, like majority of us, we are working as employees. We have the boss that we have to answer to. So if he's telling us you come on this time, that's called iltizam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he adopted the sunnah, it's not that anybody asked him to, it is he made it upon himself. But he's bound to his own word because he said so. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this sunnah that everyone has to go through test with no exceptions including Habibul Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In fact, أَشَدُّ النَّاسِ بَلَاءً الْأَنْبِيَاءِ The severest trials are upon the Anbiya. ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلْ Then those next in rank. فَالْأَمْثَلْ مِنَ النَّاسِ Then those next in rank. So the closer individual is to Allah, the greater the trials in their lives are. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, I have been threatened for the sake of Allah in such a manner no one has been threatened. And I have been given pain by others. They have caused me pain. No one has been caused pain like me. Fatima radiallahu anha, if she's the queen of the woman of Jannah, it is not because she has been to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Because there was also Zainab bin to Muhammad. There was Ruqiya bin to Muhammad and there was Umm Kulthum bin to Muhammad. Ali his salam and radiallahu ta'ala anhunna. May Allah be pleased with all of them. And they had their share of their sacrifices. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha was, subhanallah, stuck in Makkatul Makarramah and her father had done hijrah and her husband Abu Al-As was what, captured as a prisoner in, in Badr. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam told him that, please, uh, can you release my daughter and send her to Medina to join me? 
and then I will release you back to Makkah. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi praised him that he was my son-in-law, wa'adani, he promised me, and wa'afa, and he fulfilled his promise. There's a hadith praising his son-in-law, of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam praising his son-in-law in, in Sahih al-Bukhari. But what happens? When she's coming, the mushrikeen of Makkah, they said, oh, the daughter of Muhammad is going to escape from us. They go in her pursuit and they attack her. And the unborn grandchild of Rasulullah the, that she was pregnant, she ended up aborting her fetus she, from the wound inflicted. SubhanAllah. Can you imagine how much pain a father must have if his daughter was pregnant, daughter was attacked, uh, that led to a, a miscarriage. And she ended up eventually dying from those wounds. So they had her sacri- their sacrifices. But the greatest level of mujahada and sacrifice amongst the women of this ummah was Fatima radiallahu anha. And because of her sacrifice, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Sayyidatun Nisa'i Ahlil Jannah. That Fatima radiallahu anha is the queen of the women of Jannah. So this is a, a system we have to all go through. And once we pass through the system, then eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a threshold of how much sacrifice He wants from each one. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up the doors of fuyud and grant that halawa and grant that sweetness of iman and that enjoyment in the ibadah that the life in this dunya itself will become jannah. So there are two phases we all have to go through. May Allah ta'ala make it easy for us. Moving forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَوَصْلِينَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ husna." Allah Ta'ala has given wasiyah, a command. We are many young people here and others who also have their parents alive, middle-aged as well. May Allah keep all of our parents alive so that we can make their khidmah. We have granted them, the, the, Allah Ta'ala says, wasiyna, we have given a strong command to human being, al-insan, biwalidehi husna, to treat the parents with kindness. So this is something uh, that is, you know, it's, not, it's, it's never a topic that we have spoken enough about as the keep on stories we see and we, see, and we are witnessing ourselves how unfortunately the children nowadays are treating their parents. Right? And this is an important part of our deen. Allah Ta'ala mentions the rights of the parents right with his own rights. Be thankful to me and your parents. Allah has decreed that you worship none besides him and you treat the parents with kindness. The scholars of Tafsir note here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brackets the rights of the parents with his own right without even bringing a different verb under the same verb with the conjunction and. So, وَقَضَى book Allah has decreed Allah ta'abudu illa that you worship none besides him وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ ihsan and treat the parents with kindness together. Likewise, anishkur li waliwalidek. Be grateful to me and your parents together. Same verb to show the maqam of the parents. Like Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used the same verb for his sunnah in the sunnah of Khulafa Rashidun. Even though there are many verbs in the Arabic language, so many synonyms uh, and with different shades of, of meaning. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Ittaba'u sunnati wa sunnat al Khulafa Rashidun. Follow my way, my sunnah, and the sunnah of the Khulafa Rashidun. He could have said, "Intima sunnati wamtasilu," and follow waktado. So many different verbs, but he used the same verb, bracketing it. So we see something from that. There's a lesson that the rights of the parents is right after the rights of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. 
Then Allah Ta'ala says here, وَإِنْجَاهَدَاكَ لِتُشْرِكَ bi. However, there is a limit. So there are حقوق and hudud. حقوق and hudud. So there are the rights and then there are limits to the rights. Every, that's the beauty of our deen. It gives us the haq and the had. So the haq of the parents are that we must obey them, must comply to their uh, demands. Their requ- they don't have to request us. Not, you know, you say, normally you say comply to the request. Comply to, not to the request, to, the, to whatever they order us, frankly. And, but uh, to a certain extent, but then there's a, there, there's a point where it stops. Because uh, who is supreme? Allah. Allah's love is supreme over all other loves. Love of the parents, love of the children, love of the spouse, love of any human being. Those who, uh, the believers, their love for Allah is ashad, the strongest. Some people, they objected, why, uh, you know, how does Allah Ta'ala say, That the human being, his, uh, his love for the wealth is shadid, strong. So they said that, does this include... Mu'minun, they love the wealth shadid. So the response is, if the love for the dunya is shadid, the love for Allah is ashaddu hubban. Ashad is superlative. So the love for Allah is, supersedes the love for dunya, supersedes the love for anyone else. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's own dua is, Allahumma ja'al hubbaka ahabba al-ashya'i ladayya. Oh Allah, make your love the most supreme, the strongest love in my heart. And this is the reality. This may be like the most unromantic thing but to say. But in the reality is there is no unconditional love. From a shari perspective, there is not supposed to be. You don't, this is not the first thing you say when you get married for the young people. But I'm just saying, I will not love you unconditionally. <laughs> okay, that, but in your heart you have to know and you can, in proper time and proper place, in the proper way you can express that. You will, all love with, in this world is what? Conditioned with? Under the umbrella of the love of Allah. That we cannot obey the beloved of this world and end up disobeying Allah. The principle is, لا طاعة لمخلوق في معصية الخالق There can be no obedience of a creation of Allah such that it constitutes the disobedience of the Creator Allah. And one of the reasons why the children are becoming the masters and the parents are becoming the slaves. As prophesied by Rasulullah The woman, she will give birth to her master. The mother, she will deliver the baby. And the, lady, the baby girl will end up treating the mother like the mother is her slave. This is one of the signs of the Day of Judgment. Part of the very long hadith of Jibreel. When Jibreel came with white clothes and black hair, all jilled up. <laughs> This comes in the hadith. Shadidu bayad thiyab, shadidu sawad al-sha'ar. He had pure white clothes and pure black hair. So he looked like he just came out of the shower, but la yura'aliyat al-safar. He was not a traveler, but la ya'arifu minna ahad. None of us knew who he was either. As if he appeared out thin air, which he actually did. <laughs> so, Jibreel uh, So when he asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi about the Day of Judgment, then he said, Akhbirni an Imarati, tell me about the signs. So Nabi Sallallahu gave many signs about like Dubai. He did. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you'll see the naked um, Bedouins, the shepherds of goats and uh, camels, building the big buruj. 
competing with one another and erecting tall buildings. And after that, he mentioned also, it's not like three generations, two generations. Or my father or grandfather was a shepherd. The same shepherd. Right? In the 30s, the Aramco discovered in the Haran, in, or the Haran, the Mam, Khobar area, the gold, uh, um, black gold, <laughs> the oil. But in the Imarat, it was very late. In the eight, 70s, it was still shepherds. 80s. So same, this was prophesied. There's a lot of prophecies there. But one of them in the same line was, The mother will give birth to her. The, the girl who will treat her like a slave. One of the reasons for this is the hadith of Rasulullah that any worldly mahbub and habib, if you end up fulfilling their demands and their lust and their desires, and you ignore my command and you end up disobeying me by making them happy, the punishment of the akhirah is punishment of the akhirah. But the punishment in the dunya starts that if you want to fulfill their desires at the cost of disobeying my command, then fine, I will subjugate you to them such that they will be, end up becoming your master. And the way we are supposed to be so afraid of Allah that what if Allah becomes displeased with us? What will happen if Allah? That is the way the parents are afraid of the kids. What if, what if he, my child gets... What is he going to do? He's gonna, what is she going to do? Elope, run away? So you're afraid? Or he'll just... What is he going to do? Call the cops on you? Whatever. So you're not innocent until proven guilty. You could end up becoming guilty without doing any crime. So the parents are at the mercy of their kids. It could be a test. We cannot make a blanket statement that, oh, this is your adab. No, we can never do that. But one of the means, one of the causes of this could be what? If we were disobeying Allah and by pleasing them, then this is one of the ways that adab can come as well. So we need to make istighfar and we need to make tawbah for or what we are bringing upon ourselves. فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ This is what your own hands have earned. So all the love in the dunya is conditional to the love of Allah, under the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like one of, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa also taught us this, that there is no one that he loves more than Allah. And love for everyone he has is under the umbrella of the love of Allah. And one of the greatest virtues of Abu Bakr Siddiq, if you actually look at the words, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa what is he saying? That he is not my best friend. He is not my best friend, and this is a virtue. If you ever paid attention at the words. He said, If I would have any best friend, such that every wish of theirs, I must fulfill under all circumstances, with no conditions, no strings attached. If I would have such a friend, I would have made Abu Bakr my friend. If I would make a khalil, other than my Rabb. I would have made Abu Bakr. What does that mean? Does that mean Abu Bakr is a Khalil? Who is a Khalil? Allah. If I would make a Khalil besides Allah, it would have been Abu Bakr. But since Allah is my Khalil, it's like, Say if Allah had a son, I would be the first one to worship him. This is a command of Allah in the Quran. Say, O Muhammad, if Allah had a son, فَأَنَا فَأَنَا So I am what? أَوَّلُ الْعَابِدِينَ First one to worship him. Does it mean Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is worshipping the son of God? No. It means if. It's a conditional statement. So likewise, if I would have a khalil besides Allah, it would have been Abu Bakr. But since my khalil is Allah, therefore Abu Bakr is not. And this is one of the greatest virtues of Abu Bakr Siddiq One of his manaqib. One of his uh, beautiful Fadila virtue. 
So our love for Allah must be supreme. Allah maj'al hubbaka ahabba al-ashaya Oh Allah, make your love the most strong love in my heart. And so as I was saying, you're not going to tell your, the bride on the, on the Shabi Zufaf first night that, you know, I, my love for you is <laughs> conditioned, not unconditional love. Rather we would say, what's the correct way of approaching it? Say that, subhanAllah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah ta'ala fill my heart with his love, fill your heart with his love. May we both love Allah most. And may we love each other for what? For the sake of Allah. And may Allah grant us children that we love them whom? For the sake of Allah. And may they love us for the sake of Allah. And if our love for each other will be for the sake of Allah, then our love will what? Will always remain. And if our love is for the wealth, you love me because I'm rich, I love you because you're beautiful, what happens? The money may go, the beauty will definitely go. <laughs> money may still increase, but beauty will what? Frankly, right? That's what happens. Right? Physical beauty. But are we all about physical beauty? No. Right? We're not... We are not so surface level, right? We are looking beyond that. So the love is not for the beauty, the love is not for the wealth, the love is for the sake of Allah. Then what will happen? The love will remain as Allah remains. So we will, can you, can you can, so will you be jealous if I say I love Allah more than you? Na'udhu You have a problem being jealous of Allah? How can you? Then, you know, this, there's a wrong decision been made. <laughs> you cannot be jealous of Allah. Aisha al-Siddiqa said, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would come in the home, he would smile, and he would forget about all his grief of the world, and the humum of being the Nabi for the entire ummah, and he would say, oh Aisha, where did you drink from the cup? Let me drink from the same place. Where did you bite from the meat? I will bite from the same place, and let's race, and all of those things, and helping out in the home. Right? That's one side. But what's the other side? When the adhan would be called, as if he doesn't even recognize who I am anymore. He doesn't even know my name. He doesn't know me. Because uh, Bilal, blame Bilal. <laughs> Poor Bilal. He's calling the adhan. He doesn't even know who I am. So you, have, you want to be jealous against Allah? Then no, you can't. Subhanallah. So what will happen is that the wife will actually respect this husband. She says, Subhanallah. Because at the end of the day, the original fitrah that has not been corrupted by first wave, second wave, third wave, feminism and all of that. The original fitra Allah gave a woman is she would respect a man who has what? Principles. Right? A man of principles. Because the thing is, if he is so loyal to Allah, why? It's because he fears Allah. And what did that Allah tell him? To protect me, to defend me, to take care of me. Didn't that Allah tell him that? So if he's running to the salah, he'll also take care of me. Well, and if he's so afraid of Allah, is he going to come in zina? If he comes late from Tarawih, then I don't have to worry. <laughs> Right? Where he is at night, I don't have to put a GPS tracker on him. Hmm? Because of tafsir, yeah, he, he fears Allah. So it will, it will help your marriage, right? To so, show that you... And that's not the intention. You're gonna, you love Allah to help your marriage. No, that's just a side benefit. It will not harm. Subhanallah. So there are limits. We obey the wife or we listen to the wife. You obey the husband, obey the children, their desires, everything to a certain limit. That's what Allah Ta'ala says. If they compel you for kufr and shirk, you cannot obey them. Still, Allah Ta'ala says another place, still speak to them in a kind manner, even if they are mushrik parents. Sometimes some children, they come a little bit religious, and then they are disrespectful to their parents. Yeah. You know, you don't know the deen. This is what I learned. Astaghfirullah You didn't learn the deen. Why are you speaking to your parent like that? 
The mushrik parent, you're supposed to be kind to. As many of the Sahaba, their parents were mushrikeen. They themselves were mushrikeen. They accepted Islam. There are examples of uh, uh, Sahabi asked, Ya Rasulullah, my, my parents are coming. My mother is a mushrika. She's coming to visit from Makkah. Sili ummaki. Be kind to your mother. This story here, the Shan al-Nazul, Sabah al-Nazul was one of the great Sahaba, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas. One of the Ashara Mubashara bil Jannah. Ten Sahaba guaranteed Jannah. The Fatiha of Iran. And he was one of the early Muslimun, Muhajirun. Sabiqun al he said, I remember a time I myself in my person was one sixth of the ummah. Right? So he, he, that's how early he was. He says, I was one sixth of the ummah. And so he's the sixth person to accept Islam. So when he accepted Islam, he says his story I was very kind to my mother I was a very obedient son even from Jahiliyyah when I accepted Islam she said to me what is this new deen you have adopted has not Allah commanded you to be kind to your mother so she was using that uh, emotional blackmail she said Wallahi, I will not eat and I will not drink until I will die. Hatta amut. Forever, until you leave Islam. Fayuqal. Then everyone in the Quraysh, you know what they will call you? Ya qatila ummah. Oh, the killer of his mother. You had no mercy on your mother until she died. Ya qatila ummah. Oh, tarja'ila deenik al awwal. Other option is you come back to your original deen of shirk. Qala. I said to her, Ya Ummah, oh my dear mother, La Tafali, do not say this. She kept on insisting. Then I said, فَإِنِّي لَا أَدْعُ دِينِي هَذَا لِشَيْءٍ أَبَدًا No, I can never leave this deen for anything. فَمَكَثَتْ يَوْمًا وَلَيْلَةً لَا تَأْكُلُ وَلَا تَشْرَبُ One day, entire day, one entire night passed without eating and drinking. No suhoor, no iftar. No midnight snack. Then she became very weak. Second day, did not eat, did not drink. Until she became more weak. Hunger strike. Fajaa Sa'ad. Sa'ad, the son came and he said, Ya Ummah Oh my dear mother, look. Now he had to, obviously what does he want? He wants her to break her hunger strike. So what he's going to say is going to be a bit tough. But he's being tough on purpose because he wants her to live. That's his objective for the following statement, disclaimer. What did he say? He's going to say something, it's going to outwardly be mean, okay? But why? He wants her to get out of the hunger strike. He said, Wallahi law kanad laki mi'atu nafs. Oh my mother, if you had 100 lives, 100 ruh souls, فَخَرَجَتْ nafsan nafsan. One by one, each soul is dying. And you're dying not once, you're dying 100 times. مَا تَرَكْتُ دِينِي I will not give up my deen. What do you think is going to happen? That's a pretty strong statement. It's going to break her resolve, right? If you wish, you may eat. If you wish, you may not eat. If you wish, you may die. Then she literally gave up hope at that point. She ate and drank. She had the biggest iftar ever. Uh, so this ayah was revealed. This ayah was revealed. Look. If they command you not to do, to do shirk, فَلَا تُدِعْمَ Do not obey them. 
So, Alhamdulillah, there are so many beautiful stories in the Quran. May Allah, we will stop with this for tonight because it's getting late. We'll continue. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. May Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala grant us istiqama and iman. May Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala protect us uh, from having such family members that are taking us towards sin. But if that happens in our situation, then we have to remain strong. We cannot. You know, sometimes when it's like the power differential, when the authority is pushing you towards sin, it's very difficult. There are so many, for example, there are women who say that I want to wear hijab and niqab, that's how my parents raised me. My husband is compelling me, no, you take that off. And you better serve the food in front of the guests. Come like this. Now, what should I do? You know, it's easy for me to go ahead and say, yeah, you know, you have to obey Allah and not the husband. But imagine that girl in that circumstance. So difficult. Because what if he ends up divorcing her? And then how is she going to get remarried? What if she has kids? It's very, very tough. So these are different tests. That's what we talked about. The first ayah. Do people think they will be left? They will not be tested. So sometimes through softness, through harshness, different ways you have to approach the situation. Try to bring the person onto the deen. This is a sickness. This is called the youth. The youth is a person, a man who doesn't have ghira. Just like femininity, you know, is lost through feminism, the masculinity is gone too. The actual masculine sifa is supposed to be ghira. And ghira means that adamu uh, not not appreciating or not tolerating sharing that which Allah has made specifically for you. So What's this whole concept? This is a Western concept of trophy wife. You're showing off a trophy. This was for you. Why are you showing off? Starting right from the wedding night, wedding function. So you have your, the bride was supposed to be beautified for you or for everyone to take pictures? Everyone to watch the movie? Everyone to say, oh, the dulan is so beautiful. No, that was, our deen was so pure that if they were separated and the women are only watching the dulan, the bride, what does the hadith say? La maratu. A woman should not describe a beautiful woman to her husband. Forget about sharing a picture or forgetting about a male directly looking at the bride. She is, it's a separated function. And then they said, no photography allowed. But did they say, everyone close your eyes? No. So the woman can see with her eyes the other woman, right? The bride. So the, the hadith specifically, it's not like something extrapolated, fuqaha came up with this rule. The misogynistic woman hating fuqaha males. No, this is actually in the, uh, uh, in, the, in the hadith. The wording is that a woman should not even describe another woman, the features, to the husband. And that's like shooting yourself in the foot, right? <laughs> For obvious reasons. Why would you do that? So, ghira is that a person would not want his, his wife to be exposed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this ghira. And now this husband is telling his wife, you have to take off the hijab and niqab. So this is a what? A very big test. But we have to strengthen our iman. Our loyalty is first to Allah. Just like Sa'ad who remained so strong. And she came around. Who came around? The mother. So likewise, inshallah, this husband will come around. The, you know, the children will come around. Parents will come around. We have to go through this trial and remain steadfast. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for strength. But inshallah, Allah Ta'ala make it easy for all of us who are going through such trials and grant us istiqamah and iman and khatam al khair wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. There is an announcement that Mufti Azimuddin's program will be starting for the youth who are here, 12.15. You can proceed downstairs. Mufti Azimuddin, huh?
right here? Oh, I'm not sure. We'll see. There was a youth program with Mufti Azimuddin. That'll be taking place. It's right here. Okay. You can. Uh, he'll have some announcements for the brothers in Etikaf. You're here, not going anywhere. And uh, so, inshallah. Huh? Inshallah. Okay, so inshallah, brothers, alhamdulillah, as promised, I was able to get the cards here. This is for all the brothers who are in Etikaf. If you can kindly come up here, inshallah, and take one sheet each. This, uh, yeah, the non-Ethikaf brothers, inshallah, yes, you can, you can, if you're planning to stay back, we're just going to give 10 minute break, about 12.25, inshallah, we'll have the youth session, myself, inshallah, with the youth, and with Q&A, etc., we'll be doing it right here, up front, uh, without, it's not going to be live streamed, it's just going to be, inshallah, private for those who are here, so 12.25, we'll start in about 10 minutes, you can freshen up, and for the Ethikaf brothers, I want you to please write your name, if you're here, on the top, and then I've left, some sh I've left uh, a section that's blank. For istighfar, you need to put in your goal. How much your goal is per day? Kalimat tayyib, how much your goal per day? Salawat, how much your goal per day? And Quran recitation, how, much you, how many hours you would like to recite per day? So you got to put that goal in, and then you start every day, inshallah, start f uh, filling it up. I have these limited brothers, so I got them only for the brothers who are in Atikaf. Uh, only a hundred. So please, if you want more, if you want, and you're not in Ertikaf, you'd like to get one, we can print them. I can give you the PDF of it as well.